Hey queens, hey kings, what's up good people? This is Sharana Reeves. You are listening to These Three Things Podcast. This is season four. It is early voting time in Georgia. Let's get the main order of business out here first. It is early voting time in Georgia. All my Georgia listeners, we have some major seats that are up for re-election and some major upsets that need to take place. We are voting for a new governor and we are defending a senatorial seat. Please, Georgia, get out and vote. If you are listening, it is early voting. Do it early. Get it over with. So we don't even have to worry about long lines in our neighborhoods when it's actual voting Tuesday. We flip the state blue. If we plan on keeping it blue, if we plan on seeing real changes here in the state of Georgia, we have to get out and vote. It's like my pastor said on Sunday, we can't get on Facebook and be mad when we didn't vote and we didn't tell our family members to vote and we didn't make sure that people that we knew got out and voted when the election doesn't go the way we wanted it to go. Now is the time to be making our Facebook posts. Now is the time to be telling everybody, get out and vote, Georgia. This is serious. We've been given the right to vote and we continue to fight for the right to vote in this country without being suppressed as black people. Get out, let your voice be heard, let your vote count. That is my sermon for this episode. Let's move on to something else. Lord have mercy. Did y'all have things to say about this black men in therapy episode? (laughs) Ladies, uh, y'all felt a way about these brothers and what they had to say. Now, I'm not going to go off into all of the different text messages and emails that I got about the conversation. And some of you expressed how difficult it was to hear me trying to explain to them what women deal with when it comes to black men. It did not seem to register with them. They did not receive it. I I read all of it. Multiple women wanted me to do another episode and bring them back and put a therapist on the show. Let me just say this, as a host, I feel that my job is to have the conversation. My job isn't to prove right or wrong. My job isn't to try to convince a man that he should go to therapy if therapy is not what he believes in. My purpose for this episode, when I realized that none of these brothers had gone to therapy, was to have a conversation so that we as women And the women in their lives could understand better the thought processes of why black men don't go to therapy. So this was a look inside of the minds of three black men who have not gone to therapy, who actually do believe in therapy, but just do not choose it for themselves. My job isn't to make them right or wrong. My job is to have the conversation and let us walk away with better understanding So as we're having conversations with our men who we feel like may need to go to therapy or other brothers that we know may need to go to therapy, we can have a different conversation with them and ask them a different question so that maybe we can get to the root of what's hindering you from going to therapy. Why do you feel like that you don't need therapy? Why your homeboys might not be the guys that you should be talking to. Is it that you're looking for someone who is going to agree with you 
and you don't want to be disagreed with. Those are all questions that we can ask our men from listening to this episode. But I don't remember ever seeing a host need to feel like that they need to prove someone right or wrong or to try to change a person's mind. The only person that can change anybody's mind is that person. So I get it, ladies. I know you guys felt a way. I appreciate your feedback. I am, just so you know, and I responded to all of you who reached out to me, I am going to do an episode where I do talk to black men who have gone to therapy because there will be a different conversation with that. But sometimes we just got to understand why they think the way they think and what's hindering them from going, the reasons why they don't go. Some of you were not buying the talk to my homeboy or talk to my closest friend or to a man that I respect. Some of you did not. That felt like that was trash. And some of you respected it. I always come from a place of respect when people tell me where they are because that's where I try to meet my guests. So I do appreciate those brothers for coming on because it's not easy to get on a podcast and be honest and open. And so we have to leave space for those brothers to be honest and open about their experiences and how they view therapy and how they view therapy when it comes to them. That's all I can do. I heard you ladies come back and join when I talk to the brothers who have actually attended therapy, who have actually gone through the process and can give us some feedback on how it affected them and what they would share with other black men when it comes to therapy. So I love you ladies for reaching out. I love y'all for the passion that y'all had about this episode. I love those three brothers for coming on and being vulnerable, being transparent and really speaking from their place in life and their views and their values and their beliefs, because that's what I ask my guests to do. Okay, so let's segue into today's episode. If you have known me for a long time, you know I love coffee. If you have been a listener of These Three Things podcast, you know I love coffee. If this is your first time ever listening to an episode of These Three Things podcast, girl, I love coffee. So imagine how excited I was when I found out that we have a black owned coffee shop here in Savannah. Two days later, I was there. I have spent a lot of money sitting in coffee shops, working on my laptop, doing various things, sitting with friends and having conversation. So when I realized that I was going to be able to take my dollars and go and support another sister who loves coffee, I was so excited, you guys, like literally, I could not wait to get there. It was everything I expected. And the owner was there. Her name is LB Elm. The name of the coffee shop is the Culturist Union. And I knew instantly I wanted to sit down and have a conversation with this sister about her love for coffee. First of all, starting her own business. I wanted to know her story. Y'all know how I am on the show. I love to know about people. I love to know your story because we all come from some place. And I feel like those stories inspire us. They uplift us. They push us. And so I couldn't wait to sit down and hear Elby's story. I couldn't wait to find out about how the Culturist Union got its name. She shares all of that in this episode. When you hear Elby's voice, you're going to know why she's in coffee because her voice sounds like coffee. Okay, it's just so smooth. 
She's such a sweet spirit. So let's get into today's episode, Black Coffee, with L.B. Elm, the owner of the Culturist Union. Enjoy. For almost a century, Scarrett Bennett Center's historic Gothic campus has been a choice location for dream weddings in Nashville. Consistently rated one of Music City's best places to get married by The Knot, Wedding Wire, and Toast of Nashville, Scarrett Bennett Center offers three timeless venues for your wedding, a 20-person elopement chapel, a 300-person wedding chapel, and a breathtaking garden. From rehearsal to reception, Scarrett Bennett Center is ready to help you create the intimate, historic wedding of your dreams. Visit our website at scarrettbennett.org forward slash weddings for more information. You are listening to These Three Things Podcast, and I am at the Culturist Union Coffee Shop with business owner L.B. Elm, and we are here to talk about black business. We are here to talk about one of my favorite things. If you are a listener of These Three Things Podcast, you know I love coffee. So to have my second black business feature with coffee, I was so elated that L.B. decided to do this. So let me welcome you guys before I keep talking. Let me welcome to These Three Things Podcast, L.B. Elm. L.B., welcome to These Three Things. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, so I'm excited. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> I am excited because I love coffee. Mm-hmm. Like, coffee is, I, I want to know your coffee story, first of all, okay. before we get started. Like, I just tell my listeners about yourself and how you arrived at the Culturist Union Coffee Shop, how you decided to be a business owner of coffee. Break yeah, it down for us. That was a, it's a very long journey. Yeah, take okay. it. We, we're so. ready. Um, you want me to start from the very, very beginning or you want me to start from like, start wherever you want to. Okay. Um, well, I was born in Pontiac, Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) I was born in Pontiac, Michigan, single mom. Um, she got married when I was about six years old. My dad adopted me. So, uh, my stepdad adopted me Mm -hmm. and he's an army brat. So we traveled all around the world and I got to experience all of these different places that otherwise I would be in Detroit, you know, kind of doing the same thing that everyone else is doing. And so I fell in love with coffee shops as a little girl. I would Mm. love to go to coffee shops and sit. I felt so sophisticated, (laughs) like a grown up. So that's how I fell in love with coffee. But that wasn't what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to be like the next Whitney Houston. You couldn't tell me (laughs) I wasn't going to be out here. No, ma'am. Well, I like to think that I can, but then sometimes, you know, I'm humbled when I'm (laughs) actually with a singer that can speak. Yeah, you find out, like maybe not. Yeah. Okay. And so I joined the Air Force. I did that for about a little over nine years, and then I got out, and I did theater and singing, and I kind of did the stage management thing. I wanted to create a gathering spot here in Savannah. Mm. I wanted to raise my son in the South. I wanted to be in the South, but I wanted to be in a space where I didn't feel like I needed to assimilate. And that wasn't happening in Savannah. And I didn't want to go to a big city to do it. Yeah. And so I started telling everybody I was going to open up this co-working space, this this gathering spot. I didn't have no money, no plan, no <laughs> nothing. I was just out here talking. I was just on Facebook, like, this is what we're doing. And people were like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> like I said, I had no money. And so I started crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. And I realized 
after having coffee date after coffee date, meeting people, networking, growing my, you know, my village of people that were helping me, yeah. that the best course of action was not to do a co-working space, but instead to do a coffee shop. Mm. And so although I loved coffee, I'd never been in coffee or anything. So I had to figure it out very quickly. And I partnered with some, um, a roastery out in Nashville called Good Citizen. Okay, Tennessee, um, represent. Yeah. I'm from Tennessee. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Good Citizen came down here. They taught me everything that I need to know. And um, I've just been learning and growing on my own ever since. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just going. That's not thinking too much about it, just going. Yeah, I don't know if that's, that's probably my problem in life because I'm always like, oh, let's do it. But and you then know what? We'll the thinkers would have never, this would have never happened. That's if true. If you're thinking too much about it. That's true. So you're a single mom. Mm -hmm. How is that? I mean, I don't know. I, I've always been a single mom, so I don't know what life is like outside of that yeah. it's difficult it's challenging but yeah. you know we make it we yeah. figure it out he's very independent and um you i think he's son. proud yes yeah i have a son he's 12 he's 12 going on 33 he'll be 13 in a couple months so so how does he feel about mom owning a business he's got to be proud he's very proud yeah. oh I mean, he thinks this is his business. Oh, he, he He's back there on Saturdays taking orders. Yeah. He gets so annoyed when I'm like, you better clean up. So but he's good. Yeah. Does he look like you? Oh, that's my twin. Really? That is my twin. Well, that's good. Yeah. Langston. That's good. He has a drink named after him. So, you know. Nice. Yeah. Well, he, that's why he feels like it's his place. <laughs> Order the Langston. What is the Langston? What's in the Langston? So the Langston latte is a pure sugarcane syrup that we get from um, Pride Farms mm -hmm. out in Effingham County. Okay. And um, we just blend it with some oat milk and our coffee and our espresso. Oh, that sounds delicious. It is so, it's creamy. It's, oh, just pure sugar cane. Well, I will try it. So I do good. not plan on frequenting another coffee shop. I just want you to know that you'll be seeing me well, often good. outside of the podcast just because I'm big on black business. Yeah. And then it's a black coffee shop. Come on. You yeah. know, I'm going to come over here and drink coffee. So, and, and test it all out and try everything. I, I think I love what you did with the place. Like, it's really beautiful. And, Thank you. You know, it's kind of. Um, I don't know. It's it's a bit rustic. It's a bit classy. It's a bit European. It's a bit. It is. It's like a. I don't know. Like a smorgasbord of every place that I've ever lived. Yeah. It got a little bit of D.C. in it. It got yes. a little bit of Detroit in it. Yes. It has a little bit of the South. It has a little bit of Europe. I lived in Europe. I lived in Japan. Yeah. Um, I, I had see that. a lot of African influence from my travels. Yeah. So it's it's just kind of a mix yes yeah. and it shows and it all works though <laughs> yeah it all works and then i love all the artwork these are black artists in savannah who put everything in this up. place is black from the vendor all of the marketplace items are local handcrafted black vendors um we've had three uh black muralists come in so this right here this brick wall is actually not a brick wall it's a sculpture um that's painting yeah. Oh, wow. So her name is Sharana Ray. Um, an artist named King Beezus did the inside mural. And then outside in the courtroom, um, Anakisha Jones did that one. I was going to ask you, do you like coffee? Because some people have businesses that they don't, you know, it's just a moneymaker. 
and so they get into it but they don't necessarily indulge you know like they don't really use the product or whatever but they know it makes money do you love coffee oh no i love coffee yeah. i've always loved coffee tell shops. me your coffee story tell me when you when you okay so obviously you said you were young and you traveled and you went to coffee shops but when did your love for coffee like the taste of coffee begin? my granny i was probably three or four years old she used to work nights uh, she worked for bell south I think it's AT&T now, mm -hmm. but she used to work for Bell South and she would get um, off of work at about like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so she said that I would be up with her and she would make her a cup of Folgers with a bunch of cream and sugar and she would let me sip it with her. Yeah. And so ever since I was a little girl, I've been drinking coffee. And um, I think when I was around 12 years old, we were living in Germany and there was a coffee shop right across the street from my school. So I used to pop in all the time and pick up, uh, you know, the coffee and I would fill it up with cream and fill it up with sugar. Yeah. But it's always been a part of me since I was little, like a baby. Yeah, it's something about coffee. It's what you said, like, you know. It does. It makes you feel a little sophisticated. Yeah. Especially if you're in a really nice coffee shop like this mm -hmm. where the tables are nice and you can go and like just sit at, at a little table or, or you and your friends can come and just yes. sit and drink coffee. Like I get that. I totally I totally get that. I love the fact that you can do so much with coffee. You can change the flavor. You can make it savory. You can make it sweet. Yes. There's so many things that you can do with it. And then even going back, like learning about coffee in this experience, you realize how much work actually comes into extracting that, planting that bean, mm. extracting that bean, um, the process of how to grind it, what what um, is the difference between you know a regular coffee shop at the gas station versus you know a place like this, and yeah. the the type of um, effort that baristas go into making sure that the flavors and everything kind of meshes together. So now I'm into the science of it, and it is oh, it's such a wonderful world. It's never ending, never ending. Really, like it. I'm sure you're in here some days, and you're like, oh, okay. You probably have a vision of like, and then I'm gonna add this to the menu, and I'm gonna add this to the menu, and I'm gonna create this, and you just probably are you trying stuff back there, and just like. We doing a lot of different things yes especially yeah. because everything in our menu um ev all of our syrups are handmade so wow. everything in the shop we curated ourselves which is a lot of work yeah but i love the fact that when you come in here you're gonna get something that's unique you're gonna get something that's handcrafted yeah. specially made for you um our espresso machine is a manual one mm. So like if you go to Starbucks, they just press a button mm -hmm. and it just comes out. And so you're gonna get the same thing every time. But for us, we have to grind it ourselves. We tamp it ourselves. So every barista has their own little flair to it. So yeah. you can taste the difference yeah. between barista and barista. And it's just, it's just cool. It's like the little things that you don't think about. So do you have a favorite barista in the shop right now that you like? <laughs> you can't say that, can you? I do, I do. And they know it, I'm they like, know. Mm, I want you to make my drink. Yeah. But honestly, I like when I make my drink. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know. I know my, you know, yes. I know my, I like, I know my consistency with my milk. Yeah. I know how much, uh, like I said, how much syrup I want. And when I go to other coffee shops now, if they're not doing handmade or homemade, housemade syrups, I'm like, eh. If they're not using, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a manual espresso machine, I'm, you know, like yes. I've gotten really snobbish yeah, with my coffee. I see. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. 
But you know what? When you have good stuff, you it's hard to go to something that you're like, oh, it's, not, it's okay, but it's not as good. And then you realize how, how um, I guess for lack of a better word, how microwave these chain yes. coffee shops become. It's yes. like, this ain't even really coffee anymore. Like, yes. Yeah. And you know, the big chain is funny. People come in here all the time, especially because bl- for black people, coffee, most people say, I don't like coffee. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you don't know coffee. Right. You don't like Folgers or you don't like big chains, Correct. but you don't know coffee. So let me let introduce me you. introduce you to coffee. Let's elevate your palate a little bit. Let's yes. change the conversation about coffee, you know. And um, so when we have people coming in here, that's always I love it. I love when black people come in here and say, I don't want no coffee. Give me some tea or lemonade. No, no, no. Yeah. We're going to we're going to get you right. Listen, <laughs> we are kindred spirits because I think the same thing every time somebody black tells me they don't like coffee. I'm like, because you have you've never had good because coffee. Because we haven't had it. Exactly. Because when you have good coffee, you're going to like mm-hmm. coffee. I don't think that I've ever shared this on the show, but this is my coffee story. I was 17 years old when I left the, uh, I'm from Tennessee. I went to college on a basketball scholarship to Fresno State, California first. I ended up graduating from University of Alabama, but, cause I transferred, but I went to Fresno State University in California, in Fresno, California first. Uh, our team stayed in a suite. So it was three bedrooms in the suite, two beds in each room. And one of our teammates was from France. Mm. Her name was Yannick Souvre. So, Yannick, if you happen to run across my <laughs> podcast out there in France, I'm giving you a shout out because you are the reason why I love coffee. Yannick would get up every morning and make coffee. Mm. And I mean, it would just smell up that sweet mm-hmm. so bad that after about the third morning, I walked in her room and I was like, Yannick, make me what you're, make that for me. Yeah. And when she poured that coffee for me, it was like something in me just, something happened. Yes. And I was like, Yannick, this is so good. And she was like in her little French accent, so you've never had coffee? I'm like, no. She was like, we drink coffee as kids in, yeah. in, in France. Like, we drink it when we're children. My son drinks coffee. My Let me tell you, my main man. He can make a mean <laughs> coffee. Langston can make a good I cup of coffee. I love it. And he is so particular. He's more particular than me? I am. I got to yes. get Langston to make me some oh, coffee. Oh, you do? Yeah. Like, he, mm-mm. like oh. even when I make it, he's like, mm, okay, no, I'll, I'll do it myself. Okay, I'm like, okay, Langston. Well, listen, I'll be here Saturday, Langston. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here Saturday to yes. see you, buddy. Okay, so um, tell me about the name, the Culturist Union. Okay, so Madam C.J. Walker is my muse because of everything that she did in her lifetime. Mm -hmm. She was a single mom. Mm -hmm. She started her business in the middle of the Spanish flu, which was a big pandemic at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, The country was at an economic downturn when she started her business. She was Mary Kay before Mary Kay was Mary Kay. Mm She um, and she was able to build a whole following, a whole community behind yes. what she, what her product. Mm-hmm. She believed in her product, and it gathered other people to believe in their product. And then, you know, that social economic um, 
chain reaction where one money begets money. So yeah. she was able to not only um, change the com the money conversation in her family and build financial legacy, but she was able to do that for so many other aspiring black women entrepreneurs. And so for me, while I'm not slinging hair care products, <laughs> I just really, I fell in love with her story. Mm -hmm. And I, in that same vein, that's what I want to do with my life mm -hmm. is be able to not only improve my economic position in life and create a legacy for me and my son, but be able to do that for others. Yeah. You know, I feel like if we work together, we can do that. Yeah. And so in 1918, she had this convention that was called the Madam C.J. Walker Hair Culturist Union of America. Mm. And it was 10,000 black women that she gathered in her house, which was next door to Rockefeller. And she taught them, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like okay. she was doing it. Yes, she taught that. them marketing skills. She um, gave the biggest donation that the NAACP had at that time, which was $10,000. Mm -hmm. She uh, taught them how to build within their own community. She um, sold products to them at a market mm -hmm. rate. And it was just really like this big like a convention yeah. for black women on how to build their business. She didn't sugarcoat how hard it was going to be, but she was like, if you work this, if you sell this product, you and your family will prosper. Yeah. And so I just took that name, you know, drop some stuff off of it, but it's the <laughs> culturist union. The culturist union. Yeah. Yeah. And when you define what a culturist is, which is a person who is dedicated to the culture, mm -hmm. I feel like, this shop, all the events that we put on, the marketplace that we have, the community yeah. building spirit in our coffee, it just, it represents it well. Yeah. I know people are like, the culturist, you know, when you first hear it, but. But the story behind it is amazing. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. And when you come in here, you feel that. This is what I love about when I walked in uh, last Saturday. I just got through doing yoga. I love yoga. <laughs> Thought I was about to die, oh. really. And had just found out, and I told you that when you and I talked, I had just found out like two days before that there was a black coffee shop in Savannah. I don't know how I missed it. I, I move around a lot, mm -hmm. and, I tra and I'm traveling in and out sometimes. So I guess I, I, I just missed it, you know. And I know a lot of probably the same people that you mm -hmm. know, but I just, you know, didn't get it. And when I found out, I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I said, as soon as I get through doing yoga on Saturday, I'm going by there. And when I came in, I'm going to tell you what I was expecting to see. Okay. And I was so happy that I didn't see it. I was expecting to see, I don't know if pandering is the word, but I was expecting to see, uh, because there are not a lot of black businesses here in Savannah, which is shocking is to me. Shameful. It is shameful. But I was expecting to see you had made this into something where white people will feel comfortable and our culture wouldn't necessarily be exposed and it would be kind of like, well, it's comfortable for everybody because we want all people to attend. Uh, <laughs> because sometimes, <laughs> mm -hmm, you know, we feel mm -hmm. like we have to do that. Yeah. And when I walked in, I was like, okay, she is keeping it culture. Yeah. Yeah, and I was so happy by that. As you can see, I sat over there in my little corner and I just, you know, drank my little coffee and <laughs> took it all in and the coffee was great and I was like yes like she kept it culture and it's and I feel like that that's our job when we own businesses 
is to invite other cult, other people, other nationalities into our right. culture, not diminish our culture right. for you to feel comfortable, but come in and understand this is how we vibe, this is how we move, mm-hmm. and yes, we're still professional, and yes, we still put out a good product, and yes, we have nice buildings like the one mm-hmm. that you have here, and we know how to do things the right way too. Come in and enjoy it with us. Right. And I was so happy to see That's that. good, LB. because that is doing exactly what it was intended to do. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did, and I was happy to see that. And it's so funny because this particular location, we were supposed to be on MLK, and then that whole thing happened um, with COVID and supply chain and everything. So we had to move locations. We lost a lot of money. We found this location, and I was nervous because this is kind of – we're in a very affluent um, neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so there's not a lot of black people in this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my friends and mentors were like, maybe you do need to change the aesthetic. Maybe you need to change the mission Mm -hmm. until you're able to get, you know, another building, you know, grow this building, be very vanilla, grow this building, and then you can go and do what you want to do. And I was like, absolutely not. I don't care what location that we're in, the mission of the Culturist Union is going to remain because black people deserve a space where they yes. do not have to assimilate. Amen. And so, you know, um, it's, it's challenging, I'm not going to lie to you sometimes, because most of the people, our customers are white. Mm-hmm. And as I love all of the customers that come in here. Everybody has their own unique story. And, I'm sure. um, and you know, seeing everyone come in here and they're smiling and they're happy, it mm-hmm. is, it's a beautiful thing. But at the end of the day, the Culturist Union is for black creatives. And so we want to make sure that we center black people at every conversation that we have. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's how it should be. Good. Yeah, I think That's so. how it should be. You know, because everybody else does their business that way. Absolutely. This is how we move. Come in and join us. Come in and dine with us. Come in and drink coffee in our establishment. And I think people appreciate culture, too. I right? do. I agree with that. You and know? I think the Savannah is ready for a little culture. They are. Yeah. It's so funny. We have a lot of, um, you know, um, uh, white, uh, minority people, non-black Um, customers that come in here and they want to learn more they want to know about the artists that come in here they want to know about the the fabric of the chairs they want to know about all the things that we're doing the music that they're listening to and so it's so cool to be able to educate people in our space yes yeah because really what's better than us nothing What's better than us? And we shape the culture. We We, shape America's culture. We move this country from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. We do. What do you think happens when we gather and drink coffee? I think we allow love to come in, Mm. vulnerability to come in. And um, love, at the end of the day, transforms everything. You know, um, whatever barrier there is, you know, whatever ego is happening in the inside insecurities fear Mm. which most of the time that's what it is I'm I'm fearing you maybe you have more more than me maybe you know more than me my I'm having this insecurity when you can sit down with a cup of coffee and open up a little bit then the world your community transforms the world transforms, your neighborhood transforms, right? It's like you become the change. And it's very simple. 
You don't have to do a lot. You don't even gotta go out on the street and protest. You just gotta sit down and be open. And um, what I love most of the, like my favorite thing that happens is somebody will come in here and they're sitting down and they're drinking coffee and they see somebody and they go, oh my God, girl, I love your hair. Or, oh my God, I love your shoes. Mm -hmm. Or where'd you get that bag? Or, um, oh, where'd you get your nails done? Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, they're leaving out, they've talked. I've seen so many friendships bud from yeah. just sitting down with a cup of coffee and I just like it it crosses all racial barriers, all yep. social economic barriers, um, you know, all of those things. I agree one hundred percent. But I think you picked a bomb location. Yeah. Yes, this building, that white when you drive up, and first of all, white is my favorite color. Yes. That cream white, I'm like, yes, okay, this is so it's inviting. Yeah, it is. From the street, it's inviting. You know, so I think that you've done a great job of creating a gathering spot. And Thank you. Um, been in a lot of coffee shops like you. As yeah. a college basketball coach, I have traveled the world. Couldn't wait to go to coffee shops in, you know, Spain mm -hmm. and you know, all these places <laughs> that I've gone. That's the first thing I'm trying to do is get to the coffee. Get to the me coffee. Me too. What is the coffee like here? How do they drink their mm -hmm. coffee? Here, give me something that only you drink here that the rest of the world does not know about. I'm always asking that when I travel. So uh, having been in a lot of coffee shops, like what mm -hmm. you said, is so many things that I look at when I come into a coffee shop. And I feel like, LB, you touched it all. Like well, you really you. did. You touched it all. Like you, you gave a welcoming entrance. Thank you. Where you want to come in here and see what's inside here. And then you come in and you see that you, you know, have spaces where people can just like sit by the window. I love sitting by windows yes. and drinking coffee. See, that's the European feel. Yes. To me. Yeah. Yes. That's I love my bench. Yes. I thought that was such a good idea, you know, and it brings like a home feel. And it's like you want people to gather. You want people to come in and yeah. everything that you said, like have strike strike up conversations with people that you may would have never had a conversation. Never with. had a. Con I mean, I met this guy. Chinese man born and raised in Brazil because his oh, wow yeah his mother like met this man she was married and risked off her her baby to Brazil he grew up in Brazil he um became a painter he like traveled all around the world and he like brought me these gifts and these cough like Brazilian coffee just because he came into here. Yeah. I would have never met this man. I would have never. And now I have a whole new coffee flavor. And now I've been, you know, at the house experimenting. Yeah. So I just love that this place invites other people to share their stories. And I get I get to take their culture a little bit and adopt it to ours. And now, you know, and now we have a new thing, you know. So this place, I feel like, begets new things. I am Sharana Reed. <laughs> I am with LB Elm, and we are talking coffee. We'll be right back. If you want to find more information about this episode and my guest, go to www.these3-things.com. Go to our podcast page and click on this episode. Hey, this is Sharana Reeves. I'm with LB Elm. We are at the Culturist Union Coffee Shop in Savannah, Georgia. So, Elby, tell me what's your favorite non-alcoholic coffee drink. If you, if like you just come in and you want to sit down, you, this is your favorite. You're about to make your favorite. What is it? Probably our ivory tower. Okay. It's what's in that? It's very simple. It is our house-made vanilla syrup, and we have MJM seasoning. So, it's one of our local vendors. He makes mm -hmm. his own seasoning. It is 
coriander, orange peel, uh, brown sugar, pink wow. Himalayan salt, cinnamon, and you steam that in that milk with a little nutmeg. It is so, it's creamy, it's sweet, it's just, it's classic. It sounds like it. Yeah. Oh, that it sounds is good. so good. Okay, so I may have that Saturday yeah. when I come in. <laughs> it is my favorite. I made that drink. It's been the drink that I've always, I've drank that probably for years now really? years now yeah that sounds delicious yeah it sounds good. very tasty okay so do you put alcohol in your coffee i do okay what's your favorite alcoholic drink? so i'm a brown coffee with alcohol i'm a brown drinker me too um, brown what are you crown i i do whiskey okay so you i do always jack daniels mm -hmm. i love jack daniels cheers cheers <laughs> my water i've been drinking coffee all day have I you got the jitters do you yeah I've been t well, so I was training. I hired two new baristas. You did, and so when you're training, you're just taking coffee, tasting yeah. it. And so I was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm a little, sh I'm, I'm a little, little, I'm a little high. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a little caffeinated. <laughs> I'm caffeinated. <laughs> so it happens. It happens. And when you're around it and you love it, you have you do have to temper yourself yes. because you'll just drink it and you'll find I didn't drink any water all day today. Yeah, that was me. Mm -hmm. That was me. So I'm like, let me drink some water today. But um. I love just the ivory tower with a shot of whiskey, um, a good Irish Bailey, you know, combo yeah. in there is so good. Oh, and amaretto. Oh, that sounds like that would be great in coffee. I've never it thought about is, that. It is. So if you just put you some amaretto with coffee and just a little bit of steamed milk, less is best. Mm -hmm. Little vanilla mm -hmm. extract is so good. Listen, I'm gonna uh, I'm going to <laughs> let the cultures union expose me to all the yes. things that I have yet to try. Cause see, I'm thinking I'm coming in here and I'm a coffee aficionado. Like I know coffee. I didn't travel. You didn't say like three things. Now I'm like I ain't never had that. I gotta try that. Yeah, so, yeah. And then um, one of my best friends introduced me probably about a year ago to um, orange juice and coffee. So we have this drink here called the Savannah Sunrise, where we just do simple syrup, orange juice, and espresso. Yeah. But when you top that with a little bit of vodka on a Sunday, it's mm, mm, mm. good. That's money. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> okay, so let's segue to the business side. Okay. Let's talk about the business of it all, because honestly, you and I really could talk about our love for coffee for a whole episode. Mm -hmm. But I know my listeners are like, okay, well, for what, what about us? <laughs> We, we done with the coffee. Like, I want to know, like, the business piece of, you know, LB starting her business. And a lot of people, LB, I want you to tell your, your story as far as, like, from conception to completion right. of this whole thing and how it all started. Because, first of all, I'm going to ask you, did you start this with money? Because I do feel like a lot of times we as people who want to, black people who want to own businesses think that we got to start with money. Like, I don't have any money to start a business. So I want you to give your story, and I want to know if you started with money. Did you have money already? I know you said you did a little crowdfunding earlier on, but give the whole from concept to completion. Yeah, when I started this, I was broke, broke, brokeity broke. And I'll even caveat and say that if I could do it over again, I would have chosen a different route and I've thought about this and mm -hmm. I think that there is a better route to do something like this even when you don't have money mm -hmm. but I'll, I'm still going to tell you my story okay so I was a Howard University fellow in Minneapolis when I had the idea to open up the culturist union okay and um, I had about twenty thousand dollars saved and I said okay I'm going to move to Savannah I had 
just bought a house. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna move to Savannah. I'm gonna open up a, a co-working space. I'm good. I got twenty thousand dollars bank loan. We were in a rock. I had about my credit score was probably about a six sixty. So it wasn't okay. great, but it wasn't horrible. Horrible. Right. I end up having to go to custody, like a custody battle with my son. This was about about four or five years ago. So wiped me, like wiped me out, credit cards up the wazoo. If anybody has ever gone to custody, it's like a divorce and lawyers are very expensive. So when I moved to Savannah from Minneapolis, I came here with negative, like I was my credit score went from a 660 to like a 480. I um, had no money. Mm-hmm. Um, no, my savings was wiped out. I ended up getting a loan from the bank, like a $20,000 loan just to make ends meet because, but I had already committed to this dream of mine. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a little hard headed. I think, you know, some body would have decided to go get a job and Mm -hmm. rebuild not me (laughs) (laughs) not me I was like okay well I'm doubling down yeah (laughs) so I moved to Savannah like I said with no money I had a five thousand dollar credit card and I had um a twenty thousand dollar loan that I spent fifteen thousand buying furniture for my house so I'm just making not so great decisions. I started having coffee with people. I, um, I went on Facebook and I started researching who can help me open up a business. I went to the SBAC. Mm -hmm. I went to the SBDC, which so small business development center, Mm -hmm. small business associate center. Mm -hmm. I can't think of it, but the SBAC, SBAC. Mm -hmm. SBDC, I started going to all of these nonprofits that were um, in entrepreneurship. And I said, I have no money, but this is what I want to do. And they would say, oh, who do I talk to? And they would have me talk to this person, have me talk to that person. So I was just networking with people. um, Who can I talk to? Who Mm -hmm. can give me money? I'm going to banks, banks, banks. And it's just no 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 like doors are slamming in my face so I'm starting to feel defeated I probably mm-hmm. have been here about two months now and I've met with a hundred people and they're all telling me that there's no absolute way that this is going to happen I remember being in Minneapolis and um, going to this co-working space and I remember that they co they crowdfunded mm-hmm. so I called them and I said you probably don't remember me I went I visited your co-working space you crowdfunded tell me how to do it they sat down with me for an hour. They connected me to iPhone Women. I went to iPhone Women, which is this um, tech fintech program mm-hmm. where they teach women how to crowdfund to um, start their startups. The founder, Karen, took a special interest in me, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so she started personally coaching me. Um, from there, I um, was able to crowdfund started crowdfunding, started doing pitch competitions with this idea that I had. I won like three pitch competitions back to back. So I went from zero funding to about $20,000 within like a six month time frame. And then I said, oh, this is a viable idea. So what do I need to do? So I started just sharing my idea. You know, I, you know, most people are like, oh, I need to keep this to myself. I'm Mm -hmm. like, no, no, no. 
I'm going to share this with as many people as possible. If anything, I got a poor man's trademark, so we're good. Right. Started doing um, pop-ups, vendor events, nonpartisan political forums, anything that was getting me in front of people sharing this idea of a collected gathering spot. Um, And it just kind of built organically. Mm -hmm. And I started saying, if you like what I'm doing, if you like what I'm putting out, support me. Twenty dollars here, fifty dollars here, hundred dollars here. Yeah. Um, nonprofits started pouring into me. I started getting private donors, having conversations with investors. Ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars here, there. I won American Express's one hundred for one hundred grant, which is a program for s- Black women. Um, you were not playing. You were not going to be denied. No. So I just started hustling. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, $1 ended up collectively over about three years. I think we raised about $175,000. Yeah. And so. Dang, girl. Yeah. <laughs> so if I could go back in time, maybe I would have gotten a job, rebuild my credit, got my savings together while I was doing all of this networking. But again, I'm a single mom. So when I thought about time and when I thought about what I wanted to do, and I know me, if I would have gotten a job, I would have, and I'm not saying that this is for everybody, but if I would have gotten a job, I would have gotten trapped into that cycle because I would have got addicted to that money, Mm -hmm. that guaranteed money. And then I would have, out of fear, I wouldn't have moved. And so I knew that getting a job would have been a trap for me. Yeah. And so therefore I was like, I have to do it the hard way. Yeah. And when um, it came to getting a loan, I went to Carver State Bank. I ended up networking to meet the president. I didn't even go to tell her <laughs> anything. I just called Mr. James up like 17 times. I blew his phone up and then finally he called me back and was like, ma'am, come in here. You're very tenacious or you are, stop harassing me. What yes. do you want? I was like, I need some money. I want to do this business. Look at all that I've been able to do. And because I had so much traction for yes. three years of building and growing and Essence and American Express yeah. and Google and SCAD and all of these, you know, by that time I had about 3,000 followers on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, not, not a lot, 1,000 mm-hmm. followers on Instagram, but I was able to show my work, yeah. my, my sweat equity yeah. that they didn't you know although my credit was still bad it was like 550 by that time all right we're gonna figure this thing out and so they found a creative way to get me sixty thousand dollars that was going to help me open up the doors yeah so basically they respected the fact that you had done a lot of groundwork on your own right and if this person's willing to do all of that and not just come in here and want us to give her something with no work behind it yeah you have to have some sweat in the game you know people i think when they think about business they're like they want to start which is like me when i joined the military when i joined the military my father was a e8 i thought i was supposed to live like a e8 too Mm -hmm. i was supposed to (laughs) have money like an e8 i was you know which is you know the rank that he was at i was i was spending money like i like my daddy um I want to have a house like my dad. No, you are at the bottom. You have to go back to the bottom. And so I think people think they see what I have Mm -hmm. and they don't realize that I had to build to that. Yes. You have to build to where you want to be. 
And sometimes it's a little bit of, you know, humbling yourself and figuring out how you can make it happen for where you're at, bootstrap. And I think the build and the process of it all is going to tell you how bad you really want it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because if in the process you find yourself not wanting to put in the time Mm -hmm. or you get distracted and you're over here and you're over there, you don't really want this thing. Right. Yeah. Right. And it was the it was a daily grind. It was. It was a daily grind for three years just to get to the starting line of opening yeah. up the business. But I I appreciate all of that hard work and I know that it's paying back in dividends because I networked myself to where I can have a conversation with the mayor. He yeah. opened you know, he was at the grand opening. He did the grand open oh, the ribbon Van. cutting speech, Van yeah. Johnson, shout out. <laughs> I Shout was, out to Van. You know, I've been able to network my way into rooms, into yeah. conversations with people that I, you know, aspire to be, you know, in circles with yeah. just from sharing an idea. How old are you, Elvin? I just turned 34. Oh, my Like goodness. two days ago. Girl, <laughs> you ahead of your time, little, oh, uh, CJ, you. little Madam CJ over here. <laughs> I feel the so young old. Madam CJ. <laughs> we have a young Madam CJ. Okay, so... I always um, know when I sit down and talk to a person, like, in order for you to have the tenacity to get to this place, you've had to go through some stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've had to go through some stuff. Because people who get to this place in life are not people who have had things just laid out there for them or hasn't really had to deal with, you know, life and Mm -hmm. life happening to them. And I heard you say that you... Um, spent $20,000 fighting for your son. And I know we talked about your son earlier. Right. Like, what have you had to overcome to get to this moment? I mean, I feel like my life has just been a collection of um, resiliency, like a, a training ground. I'll even take it back to when I was a little girl, I was in a community. I was in Detroit. My mother was a single mom, but we lived with my grandmother and my great grandmother. I had 12 adults, cousins, uncles, everybody in this three bedroom house. And then we moved from that to a couple that just got married. So they're all in love and Mm. they're, you know, they're connected and it's lonely. So I had to figure out how to navigate through life where my environment changed at a very young age, where I'm moving all over the place, whereas before I was very, you know, centrally connected to family and now I'm not. So yeah. like that was a big adjustment. And then moving all around the world has always been a big adjustment because I've always been the new girl having to figure out one base to the next base. Who am I going to be? Who are these people? How am I going to interact with them? So that was an adjustment. Then going into the military at 17, where people think, oh, you're 17, you graduated high school, you're an adult. No. And I'm around, I'm a heavily male-dominated industry. Um, I just graduated high school, so I don't know crap about nothing. (laughs) You know? 17. And I'm moving around the world, so I have to figure out what that looks like. And then I have my baby young, so I'm 21, and this man just married someone else and I gotta I gotta raise this kid and wait hold on (laughs) go back you have you you're pregnant at 21 I'm pregnant at 20 you have a baby at 21 Uh, mm -hmm. and the baby's father married someone else yes okay talk about that so you know um I'm in love we've moved in together 
we, we don't have any kids, but we're enjoying each other. And then um, he decided, for whatever reason, to marry his daughter's mother, who was two years old at the time, um, on me. And so I we broke up. You know, he's in his marriage and whatever they're doing. I go on a deployment um, probably about a mo- less than a month later after all of that, just which is crazy that you would go away to deploy to Iraq <laughs> to get away. <laughs> I was like, I got to go. Yeah, it's, that's what is bad. You know, it's bad. Like, I got to go to war if to get away. Iraq, Iraq is the place <laughs> I got to get to. Now I got like, some peace. I need some peace. Send me to war. In Iraq. Exactly, exactly. And I found out Hilarious. that I'm like 12 weeks pregnant. Once you got to Iraq. Once I got to Iraq. And so they send me back home and now I got to navigate what this life looks like. And I'm embarrassed and, you know, I still have strong feelings for this man. And now I have a baby growing inside of me. Am I going to keep it? What am I going to do? Ultimately, obviously, I decided to keep my baby and figure out life as a single mom. Um, And, you know, we've, him and I, we've always had a, French, I know it's going to sound crazy, but we've always had a friendship. So yeah. we've always been able to kind of get back into the swing of things. But we've had some very serious, you know, dips in our relationship, you know, hence the custody battle. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I'm navigating that as a young person. And now I have this baby. I'm a single mom in the military, which is very male dominated. So they don't care that my baby is sick go to work you know they if the military wanted you to have a kid they would have issued you a kid (laughs) so you know and I'm in I'm in Japan and I'm by myself so there's all of these things you know I get out the military now I'm a single mom and I got to figure out how I'm gonna get a paycheck you know there's all of these things that I've had to just figure out and this was no different and so it's one of those um, situations where you you just really have to dig deep inside and say, I want to be better than my circumstance. I deserve to be in a better position than my circumstances is allowing me right now. How do I figure that out? There are gonna be so many single moms who listen to this episode, who have a young kid that's mm-hmm. feeling overwhelmed, that has dreams and goals and uh, bad credit, you know, yeah. that's made bad decisions that need to hear you yeah that need to hear you and and understand that it's possible but what i i appreciate more than anything is that you've been very clear about the grind Mm -hmm. you've been very clear about the work that it took to get to the culturist union being not just a thought in your head or a conversation that you're having but to an actual brick and mortar opened business yeah and then i you know you have to navigate what you have to use what you got So for me, my village, my sisters, my friends, you know, you met a friend of mine earlier. I collect friends and and I treat them good because I need them. I need babysitters. I need people who are going to make me dinner because I'm getting home at eight, nine o'clock. I, you know, my mother, my father, my sister, like my people, Mm -hmm. they take care of me. And if you don't have good people around you you are, I'm sorry, you got to figure that out. You might want to go to therapy, but you need people around you and you need people who want to be around you. Yes. And then beyond that, I think that people, for me, I had to discover a different form of exchange of currency. Like 
bartering yes or um trading yes you know like use what you got you know if i have a bunch of chairs on the side of the road we're gonna sand paint it up put some new fabric on it and now everybody's like oh you got some cute chairs girl (laughs) (laughs) so it's like is that not what i said when i came in like girl i love these chairs you were like you have no idea what these chairs were transformed into yes that's what it's all about so it's about your village yeah and and using what you got and making it work i love that you guys i'm here with ld elm (laughs) the owner of the culturist union coffee shop in savannah georgia We'll be right back with these three things. Thanks for listening to this episode of These Three Things Podcast. Here's how you can stay connected after the show. Follow at These Three Things Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. On Facebook at These Three Things P. And don't forget to visit our website at these3-things.com. Be sure to follow subscribe. And if you like what you've been hearing, leave a review. Hey, this is Sharana Reeves. I'm with LB Elm. We're at the Culturist Union Coffee Shop. And it is time for these three things. Number one, your business. Queens, some of you who listen to my show have amazing ideas You have a business or businesses in your head that you've thought about for years. You think you don't have enough money. You think your credit score isn't high enough for a loan. Or maybe you've gone through a major disappointment or loss in your life and you've given up on that dream. Elby shared with us that she was broke when she committed to make her dream a reality. She'd experienced a bad breakup that had left her a single mom and with a damaged credit score. Elby didn't have any of the financial things that most would believe you need to start a business. But what she did have was a good old fashioned hustle spirit. She wouldn't be denied. She wasn't giving up. And she put in the sweat equity needed to see her dream realized. She didn't wait until it was all lined up. She became the line, the connect, the tenacious caller that convinced a bank exec to meet with her and give her a loan. What I know for sure about life is when we aren't sure how to accomplish a thing, taking a step in any direction toward that thing will guide us to the next step. My wish for you, sis, is that you run. Don't walk toward that business idea. That you sell and promote yourself, your vision, and your ideas like you sell your boss's product at work. That you stay up late and put in long hours to see your business grow like you work those extra shifts to get that promotion at the company where you work that you see yourself as the true boss you are, that you look fear in the face and keep going. Queen, in the end, when you face those fears, you'll have everything to gain. But when you cave 
to fear and self-doubt, it's your business you'll lose. Number two, support black. When I say I support black business, I mean what I say. I'm not fickle or expect perfection. All businesses can have a bad day. And I don't complain about the cost and say your prices are too high. Last week, I spent $200 at Ruth Chris and didn't bat an eye. I don't walk in with a critical eye looking for everything that's out of place. Honey, I'm excited and happy to see black folks owning things and taking up space. See, far too often we can be too hard on our own kind, but we'll keep running to that business over there accepting bad service and acting like we don't mind. Look around in your city and tell me how many black-owned businesses do you see. If we don't own anything in this country, y'all, as a people, where y'all think economically we gonna be? And listen, I'm not saying black-owned businesses should be given a pass or some old kinfolk slack. Excellence should be on the menu served to customers daily. There's no question about that. But what I am saying is when the product and the service at a black-owned business is good, visit often and tell your friends and keep going back. We've spent a lot of money making other folks rich. It's time we grow economically and support black. Number three, a poem about the effects of coffee. A morning brew. A decision to be true. Some loving, some living, some dancing, some sparkling, some deep conversation, some soul immersing, a handful of quiet wows, attention to my now. Some heart smiling, some dream guiding, some fresh air breathing, some self-believing, some stress relieving, some spirit freeing, some wings soaring, some life adoring. That's what my heart is hoping for today. Okay, queens, kings, and good people, that's it for this episode, Black Coffee, with L.B. Elm, the owner of the Culturist Union Coffee Shop in Savannah, Georgia. I'll see you in a couple of weeks with a new episode of These Three Things. <laughs>